here, um, we, every year we do a Christmas series of four, five, six sermons that during the Christmas season, and, and we've been talking about um, the gifts that God gives, and uh, you know, it was we had the uh, all I want for Christmas. I guess we're not doing the music. Oh, we're not doing. The, okay, so. Um, you know, you remember that song, All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth. And, um, and we think about, you know, the gifts that, we, that, that God gives to us. And we've been going over different ones every week. And one of the things that we talked about is, you know, that the gifts God gives are the gifts we need the most. And part of what we um, need to, you know, ask ourselves is, if He's giving us these gifts, you know, do we want them? And do we realize that we need them? So we've talked about uh, the, the gift of hope. And then later on, last, last week, we talked about the gift of seeking truth. And today, it's the gift of, of new beginnings. And I was thinking about this uh, as, we were, as I was preparing the sermon, thinking about this for even the past couple of months. And I, and I realized like whenever we come together like this in, in a worship service, that, that we come from, we're all in different parts of our lives right now. Um, and we're all here with kind of different ideas. And, and some of us, uh, you know, maybe the majority, maybe not the majority. If, if you were to, if I were to ask the question, is this what you thought life would be? When you were younger, is this what you thought life would be? You know, did you think this is, this is where you'd be, uh, what you'd be doing? Um, you know, when we have the preschoolers come up, you know, often the question is, what do you want to be when you grow up? And very few people, uh, I don't know that any child ever says, you know, I want to be a lonely, despondent adult, you know, sitting, staring hopelessly at life, right? I mean, I mean, if a kid said that, we'd, first of all, I'd be very impressed that they know all those words. And then, of course, we would try to get them some counseling and maybe their parents need counseling too. Um, but we never set out to be wherever we are. And so people are at different places. Some people are just so busy. They're just so busy running constantly that they don't have time to, to really think about anything. They're just doing. You're running from place to place, doing activity to activity, you know, work, you know, getting the kids to school, going to, you know, soccer, ballet, basketball. You know whatever the latest thing is that they're doing, that they're doing, and you're just running. You know, um, other people are just you know they've kind of settled in. You know, you've you've done it for a while. This is kind of the routine. This is what you do, and you realize you're just going to keep doing this for how many ever years, and then you're going to transition to another stage of your life and do that, and then you know that's about it. And, and, and so, some of us might be going, no, life is way better than I thought it would be. Never thought it would be this good, this great, this awesome. And so we're all, we're all at kind of different places. If you find yourself in one of those places where you think like, this isn't what I thought life would be. I thought it would be different. I thought it would be deeper. I thought it would be richer. I thought there would be more to it than just simply to kind of go through this 70, 80, 90 years of existence, and then it's all done. And it's, there's more than that. 
There's got to be more than that. You know, and, and sometimes, you know, um, you, you, might, you, know, you might wish that, that, that life was like a video game. You know, you, you kind of go through the first couple levels and, and you're not really good at it. And then you're, you know, your character keeps dying. And so you just press reset. Just start again. Because you know if I go through those first two levels again, I get to the third level. And then, and then I'll hit reset again. And then, and then maybe I'll get a little bit farther. Well, as you know, life really isn't a video game. We don't really get to just reset things. And maybe you found yourself, you know, at this point where you, you've been here before. This isn't the, you know, you, you, you keep, you know, trying, you know, New Year comes along, you make New Year's resolutions. You, you keep trying again and again to, to, to do things, you know, and to get it right. And, and it, Maybe your second, third, fourth, fifth try at this, and you're at the point you want to give up. Well, there was a, sometimes this quote is attributed to Einstein, but I went to something smarter than Einstein, which is the internet, and said Einstein probably didn't say this, but it's the definition of insanity. And it was doing the same thing repeatedly and expecting different results. So you're doing the same thing repeatedly, expecting different results. You know, it's, there's one thing about us as human beings is that, you know, you know we, we persevere, we, we work hard, and, and we keep trying. But if you keep trying at something that's not going to work, it doesn't matter how hard you try. It's not going to work. You can try all you want, and people can admire you for it. They can say, wow, that person, whew, they can really keep at it. They really keep going. They keep moving. You know, if, you, uh, you know, if you're in the boat, and you know, 10 gallons of water are coming in you know, every minute, and you're bailing 9 gallons every minute, you can work really hard. <laughs> but eventually your boat's going to sink. And so we, 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 we know this, and yet sometimes we just, we can't accept it. There's another definition of insanity, though, and that is when, when, when we get to the point where we want it to be different, we want something to be new, and then we're given that opportunity, and we reject it. We don't want it. Say, no thank you. And then we live life a little bit more and then we realize we really want that thing that we rejected. And we want it and we want it and then we're offered it again. No, no thank you. And then we keep going. And we repeat that again and again and again. Well, the gift that we look out today, whether you find yourself in a what you think is a really good place, whether you find yourself in the midst of the hardest time of your life, whether you find yourself just kind of caught in this mindless routine or this sense of, of no real purpose to life other than just to live and to die and to do the best you can in between. We look at the gift that God gives us today and it's the gift of new beginnings. 
the gift of new beginnings. You see, a lot of people realize they, they want something new. They, they, they realize they need something new. But they, they like the idea of new, but not the reality of it. Uh, my wife, who is doing the music, you know, when we moved to the mainland and we lived in, in Texas, we, we bought our first house, and our first house had, had a fireplace. And my wife's like, oh, just love, you know, the fireplace. Just love, you know, it's cold outside. You got the, you know, you got the, the wood burning and all of that. And she really liked the idea of a fire in a fireplace. But then there was the reality of it. And the reality of the fire in the fireplace is get a little bit of smoke. After you put the fire out, the next day you smell the soot and then you keep smelling it. And then guess who had to clean it out? And I couldn't just, you know, get all the ashes out and all of that. I had to get the water hose and spray it down. And so, you know, and then, you know, a little bit later, she'd tell me, oh, I love the fireplace with the fire. It's like, yeah. So I thought, you know, I wasn't, didn't know these things existed back then, but I should have just got a videotape of a fireplace. <laughs> see it. See, we, we often like the idea of something, but the reality of it, not so much. You see, there's a lot of people who say they want something new. They want some, they, you know, they, even when I came to this church, you know, one of the first messages that I preached several years ago was, on that, that if you want something new, if you, want, if you don't want the church just to be the same old thing that it's been all these years, then you have to understand something, that if something is to be new, it's going to be different. And so many times we want something new, but that's not different. That doesn't make much sense. It doesn't make sense to say I want it new, but I don't want it to be different. And if you want the new beginning, you have to accept it's going to be different. In fact, you not only have to accept that, that, that the situation is going to be different, that the life experience is going to be different, you have to be willing to be different. Um, I don't know if the kids are here. If you don't admit it, but anybody getting a puppy for somebody for Christmas? You know, don't, 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 don't give it away. But if you are going to get a puppy and you've never had a puppy before, your life changes, right? Your life changes. They're, you know, in some ways they're better than kids. But in some ways, they're harder than kids. Think about it. Um, but puppies will change your life. People like the idea of a puppy. You know, kids love the idea of a puppy. But they don't like the reality of a puppy. And they don't like the reality of every day you've got to feed this thing. Every day you've got to walk 
I don't like the reality of the puppy because then I look at the, the veterinarian bills. And I'm like, I should have got a mechanical dog or something like that. But you have to be willing to be different if you want something new. Well, Matthew, which is where we've been reading from, is telling the story of Jesus' birth. And we're kind of far along here in the story. We're in chapter 2, verses 19 through 23. And it says, but when Herod died, and Herod was the king. He had been the king for about 30-something years. And he was the king appointed by the, by the Roman government, and that's kind of weird. And if you want to know more about the background of how that was all set up, I invite you to come on Wednesdays when we actually unpack some of this in more of a study kind of format. But this, this King Herod um, had been told that the king of Israel had been born, the king of the Jews had been born. And so he wanted to, of course, do what any king would do who wants to hold on to power is let's go make sure we kill that other king. And so that's what he does. And he goes and wipes out most of the, the, the babies under the age of two. And then he dies. And it says, after he dies, it says, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judah, a Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. So, we talked last couple weeks about this radical things that are happening in Joseph's life. You know, Joseph went from thinking like he was just going to have this typical life, you know, he, you know, back then they had arranged marriages and, you know, he apparently got, he got lucky, you know, the arranged marriage he had, he, you know, it was really good and it, it was clear that he loved, he loved Mary. But then after their betrothed, which means they're legally married, but they're not living together yet, they're waiting a year uh, for different reasons, but, you know, he goes from that to hearing that his betrothed Mary tells him that she's pregnant. And of course he knows it's not his kid, so now his life is changing again. And not only is, is, does he find out, you know, his betrothed is pregnant, then she says, but it was not really a guy that did it. God, the Holy Spirit. This was supernatural. Now, what's he think? You know, what would we all think? We would either think, hey, she's lying or she's crazy. And Joseph has to deal with that. And at all these key points in Joseph's life, when he's ready to do what all of us would have done, an angel shows up and tells him, hey dude, this is from God. I know it's weird, 
and I know it's not what you expected, but this is from God. And so he goes from thinking he's going to have this typical life, he's going to be this carpenter, he's going to have this family, he's going to be like everybody else, to now wife says that she's pregnant, life has changed. He takes her to be, you know, in, into his home, he accepts her, and then he finds out that the king is trying to kill his child. He finds out that, that they're in danger. And so now he does something that's even kind of crazier. Because in, in, their, in their day, if you were kind of like a, just a regular common person, you didn't travel more than two or three miles from your house. Well, guess what? He's going to go all the way to Egypt. He's going to leave behind his, his family, his, all his support system, everything. And he's going to go to Egypt, to a place where nobody knows him. He's a foreigner there. And he's going to have to try to provide for his young family. And now, he's coming back. But he's not coming back to Bethlehem. He's not coming back to the place that, where, where he knew people. Instead, he's going farther north. And he's going to, to the area of Galilee. And he's doing that because he's trying to put some distance between Jerusalem, which is where the king would have been, and, and, and Galilee, Nazareth. There's, there's some significant dif distance there. In our day, not a big deal. You know, it might have been 20, 30 miles. But in that day, it was huge. Gave him some protection. This is what's happening. Joseph is probably at the point where he does, he, he's, he's pretty good with new stuff. He's like, I'm done. Let's not have anything new. In the past two years, we've moved, you know, three times. You know, we've, you know, had to fear for our lives, had to try to start over again and again. I had to overcome so much of what I thought life would be. What's so great about Joseph is he's, he's faithful and he's obedient no matter what. He just keeps going. Because all of these new beginnings, they're, they're, they're gifts. But there's something we need to understand because sometimes we have this kind of you know, Disney version of life or the fairy tale version of life. That we think whenever there's a, a new beginning, that means like everything's good from that point on. It's all awesome. It's all great. You know, no problems. Because what we're really wanting is not really a new beginning. We just want all the bad old stuff to go away. Well, when we talk about God giving us the gift of new beginnings, there's a couple of things we need to know about how God works. First of all, new does not mean easy. New does not mean easy. I already said they had to travel back from Egypt. Why couldn't they have just stayed in Egypt? Egypt is way farther away from, from Jerusalem than Nazareth. Why couldn't they have just stayed in Egypt? 
And if they're going to come back, why, why couldn't they just go to where Joseph or Mary's family was? Why couldn't they be around uh, people that they, uh, they knew? No, it goes to a new place. It's not easy. But it's new. It's new. And it's better. It's not easy. Some of you uh, know that I coach you know, track and cross country. And, you know, I'm you know, constantly like, trying to study and understand you know, better ways to train and things like that. And one of the things I always tell my, my runners is, look, if we're going to do something new, it's not magic. There's no way to get better without working hard. There's no way to, to get better and not hurt. Just because it's new doesn't mean it's easy. And again, I think sometimes in our life, we're not really looking for new. We're looking for problem-free. And any of you who've been Christians and really been faithful in your walk, and you know that, that when you do that, God doesn't lead you to the comfortable places. As a matter of fact, the more you grow in your faith, the more you can handle and one of the compliments I think God gives us as we grow in our faith is that He puts us in tough places. He leads us to places that we would never have thought we would ever go. And when I talk about places, sometimes I talk, I mean geography. I do mean like, you know, people who often go on to, to other countries. But there's also places in our lives. There's people and groups of people that we would never have thought we would ever be able to associate with. One of the um, traumatic experiences for me, I, I, I was born in West Virginia and the first town I lived in had, had 60 people. And then we moved to this bigger um, metropolis in Oklahoma there were 600 people in Oklahoma. And then we jumped from Oklahoma to here. So I was 10 years old, and you know, we kind of lived not around a lot of people. We had limited experiences and things. And then we come here, and, and uh, one of the things our church did was they would go and do a, um, a ministry up in, in uh, Waimano Home where the, the facilities up there for those who had some kind of mental handicap. And I remember I was like 10 years old and I had never seen anybody, any adults like this in my life. And I remember going and my brother and I and pretty much, when you haven't seen this and all of a sudden there's a room full of about 20 or 30 people who are like that, we're like, we would not leave the office we were we were terrified. Um, if you'd have asked 10-year-old Matt about that, he would have probably said, hey, you know, 
I'm willing to help anybody except those people. They, they scare me. It's kind of weird. Because before we moved back here, for about eight or nine years, we were helping to restart a church. And one of the things that we said we wanted this church to be when we restarted it is we wanted to remove all the barriers for special needs families. If you had told 10-year-old Matt, this is what you're going to do someday, 10-year-old Matt would have said, no way. It's not possible. But when you follow God, He leads you to places that sometimes places you never think you would ever go, you could never be a part of. So new doesn't mean easy. And new doesn't mean safe. The threat from the royal family, it's still there. Still there. There's no, there's no bodyguard, there's no, you know, indication that there's some kind of God's appointed some special group to protect you know, Joseph and Mary and Jesus. And even though they're not going back to Jerusalem, they are moving, they are moving closer to the king. And as we said, new means different. If Joseph was like the kind of typical Jewish person of his day, and it seems like he was, it seemed like he followed the Jewish faith, he would have wanted to be as far away from the Gentiles as possible. But the way that that area, Palestine, was set up in that day, if you were down in the southern part, that was the most heavily concentrated Jewish part of the, of the area. And then you had the middle part, which was Samaria, which was kind of mixed. And then the farther north, it was... As you can imagine, it's closer to Europe and, and to uh, Asia Minor, much more Gentile. It would have been something very different for him. Not what he grew up with, not what he was used to. It's very different. Because new means different. We can't expect something new and just think that we can keep things the same. Sometimes I think what we mean by new is we want a fresh version of the old stuff we have. But that's not new. And ultimately, this is what new means when God grants us the gift of new beginnings. It means that we follow Jesus wherever He leads. Wherever He leads. And that's, you know, that's something like a lot of people say, but very, very, very few people actually are willing to do. Whenever I do, like, premarital counseling, you know, I, I tell the couple what I'm trying to find here are the deal breakers. You know, husband wants 20 kids, wife wants none. Okay, that's probably a deal breaker. You two probably shouldn't get married. But one that comes up in Hawaii that doesn't really come up anywhere else that I know is the one person who's like, I can't imagine living anywhere else but Hawaii. I only will live in Hawaii. 
And sometimes the other person will be like, I will live anywhere but Hawaii. Again, deal breaker. There's a lot of people in Hawaii that just can't imagine living on the mainland as though the entire mainland is all the same. It's not, it's different if you haven't been there. You've only been there on vacation, you only know kind of the vacation areas. But new means following Jesus wherever he leads. But there's something kind of great about what Jesus does. Because when we accept the newness that he offers, he promises to change us. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul writes this. He says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. What is he talking about there, new creation? It's kind of what it sounds like. When you really accept who Jesus is, when you really accept what Jesus came to do, when what we celebrate at Christmas, you become a new person, a new creation. It's not the same old just cleaned up. Sometimes I refer to it as, you know, you're human 2.0. It's the different version. Because what, what Christ promises to do when we, when we really accept Him, is He promises to give us His Spirit. And His Spirit makes us new. His Spirit helps us to live the way Jesus lived. But more importantly, to love the way Jesus loved. Spirit empowers us in so many ways. In the Old Testament, it talks about when we're faithful, that with God, it's like there are new mercies every morning. New mercies every morning. That, that even though, you know, we may feel so blessed, or even though we may feel life is so hard, Lamentations promises us that He provides new mercies every morning. What is mercy? Mercy is simply this. It's, it's not getting what you deserved. New mercies is, is not getting what you deserved when you deserved punishment. When you deserved a penalty. When you deserved consequences, you're not getting them. Because God grants you new mercies every morning. Also in the Old Testament, Ezekiel writes about this new creation this way. says that, that the new covenant, in the new covenant, that we will have a new heart, not made of stone. And that the law of God will be written on our hearts. In other words, the law of God is founded in what Jesus says. It's in, it's in our love for God and our love for one another. And he says that's not going to be an external code. It's not going to be a law that you follow. It's written in your heart. It is now your nature to be that way. If you want a new beginning... It starts with a new heart. 
It starts with a different attitude, a different way of viewing the same world, the same relationships. The newness starts by us becoming new. And so, when we think about this gift of new beginnings, you know, it, it's a question we have to ask ourselves. Is it something that, that if we believe that it's possible, you know, why, why do we not accept it? Why do we just say that really all life is about is just to live and to die? Why do we think that the secret to life is personal happiness? Having as much stuff as we can. But the new beginning that Christ offers, it's when we find the real purpose for why we were created. It's where we find real joy. It's where we see beauty where others really cannot. And we have the real treasure of what it means to be alive. And so God offers to all of us this gift of new 